0: Thank you for listening to the Calvary Chapel Lubbock podcast. Our mission of teaching people to love God by showing them how much he loves us starts right now.
1: Church, remember where we left off, okay? Jesus had died on the cross. About two weeks ago, we covered, we covered that, and, and Jesus was there, and we saw him die, and our hearts broke because we have been following him right? Through Gethsemane, through the crushing. And if you've been to Israel at all, you know that, that the olive press, right? That olive press is just a crushing, right? To get that, get that olive oil out. And we saw how Jesus was crushed in the garden of Gethsemane and we left him there. And Jesus had died. He said, it is finished. They took his body down and they actually remember where they laid him. They laid him in a garden tomb, not too far from where he was crucified, right? And they laid him, it wasn't his tomb, it was actually a fella by the name of Joseph of Arimathea. This guy was a rich guy, he had a tomb there. He probably was thinking, you know what, Uh, you know, I've I've got me, my wife, maybe maybe a child, and I want to make sure that we're taken care of, you know, we're getting up in age, and I want to make sure that we have our burial plot, nothing wrong with that, but that's what he did, right? And so that's kind of what happened, but I was thinking about the garden tomb, and I was thinking about Joseph, And I was thinking, you know how us men are, right? We just make decisions sometimes without asking our wives. Just me? You guys left me up here hanging. I can't believe that. But Joseph, Joseph was, I mean, could you imagine? Could you imagine Joseph explaining to his wife that someone was going to be buried in his spot? I mean, I think the scenario might go like this. Joseph goes home and, hi, honey, I'm home. Oh, hi, Joseph. How was it? What, what's going on? And he's like, oh, honey, you won't believe it. It was a crazy day in Jerusalem. I mean, people were everywhere was nuts. You remember that Jesus of Nazareth? Yes, sweetie, I remember. You know what? It's the, uh, it's the saddest thing, but they crucified him today. I saw, and, uh, it was, yeah, he died. And she goes, I know. I, was that? Did that have anything to do with the earthquake? I remember when, when everything went dark, and, and was that, yeah, sweetie, it was, it was weird, it was weird, so I decided, I thought I'd, I'd come home, and she says, oh, okay, wow, and then he looks at her, and he says, sweetie, I've, uh, I've got some good news, and I've got some bad news, right? And what do we normally say when someone says that? Give me the bad news first, right? We always want the bad news. So, so she looks at him, in my bed, and she says, well, give me, give me the bad news, And he looks at her and he says, well, you know, Jesus of Nazareth. Yes, you've told me about him. Um, Well, he's buried in our tomb. I gave him my spot. Can you imagine her head going, excuse me? You did what? You did, you gave, wait, wait, let me see if I understand this. We had three spaces. One for you. Yes, dear. One for me and one for our child. And you did What? right? Can you imagine? Can you imagine? And she's thinking, wow, I can't believe you didn't discuss this with me. I can't believe you are. Where's Jesus? Well, he's in the tomb right now. I can't believe. Oh, I'm so angry with you, Joseph. I cannot believe. How could you do this? Can you imagine? Can you imagine? And then for a moment, she probably calms down, remembering something. You go, what? Probably she remembers and she turns to Joseph and she says, Well, you said that you had good news. You gave me the bad news. I can't believe it. What is the good news, right? To which Joseph looks at her, smiles, and says, Well, don't worry, sweetie. Jesus only told me he would need it just for a few days. Isn't that exactly what happened? You see, the bad news was there's Jesus in the tomb, but the good news is he's only going to borrow it for a little bit. He didn't need it for eternity. He's not there anymore. And that's exactly what happened, and and I could imagine the story, and some of you are going, that's not how the story goes, and, uh, and I get it, but, but nonetheless, I mean, it could be, it could be, and Jesus needed the tomb just for a few days, and you even remember the story, John's gospel goes even a little bit deeper, and it was Mary, right, Mary comes to the tomb early in the morning, as she comes, she finds that the stone is rolled away, that blows her mind, right, because this stone is huge, so how is she going to move the stone, it's rolled away. And all of a sudden, she sort of freaks out and she's like, Oh my gosh. And she runs back to Simon, Peter, and John. And she tells them, Listen, the Lord's not there. And, 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 there's an empty tomb. And they're like, Yeah, Mary, calm down. What, what have you, how early did you get up? Did you not have your double espresso caffeine this morning? Calm down. And so they run to the tomb, right? And of course, John says, Oh, by the way, I outran Peter because Peter was too busy eating his fish and chips. Yep. <sighs> tough crowd. And they realized that the tomb was empty. Now, note the story with me, guys. John chapter 20, I know I told you to turn to 21, but go back just a little bit to John chapter 20. Picking it up in verse 11, it says, but Mary stood outside the tomb weeping. And when she wept, she stooped down and looked in the tomb. And she saw two angels in white sitting, one at the head and the other at the feet, where the body of Jesus had lain. And they said to her, woman, why are you weeping? And she said to them, Be- because if you've taken away my Lord, and, and I just I just don't know where they, they've laid him. And now when she had said this, she was actually turning around, and she saw Jesus standing there, but she didn't know it was Jesus. And Jesus asked her a couple of questions. He says, Woman, why are you weeping? And whom are you seeking? And she, supposing him to be the gardener, said to him, Sir, if you've if you've carried him away, tell me where you've laid him and I'll take him away. Which I think about that. Jesus was a grown man, dead weight. How was she going to just pull? I mean, that's just amazing that she had that much love for him. But yet she's weeping, and then Jesus looks at her and he probably I, I just I just know Jesus smiled a lot and he's like, Mary. And she's just like Rabboni, which means to say teacher. And Jesus said, don't cling to me for I've not ascended to my father. Go to my brethren and say to them, I'm ascending to my father and your father, to my God and your God. And Mary Magdalene came and told the disciples that she had seen the Lord and he had spoken these things to her. That's how the story goes. But can I stop right here and have your attention? There's two, um, basically, there's a couple of nuggets of truth here I want us to grasp, okay? Just a little bit of a nugget. You go, what's that? Well, okay, notice with me. Notice, okay, in the scenario, you G- Mary comes in, she looks in the tomb, and she sees two angels, one at the head and one at the foot, okay? And you go, well, what's, what's the big deal? Well, here's the truth we can grasp. You know what we can learn from these angels? You ready? Jot this down. Humility. Humility. You go, well, pastor, how so? How could we learn humility from them? Well, I wonder how many people would have caused a fight because they wanted to be at the head and not the foot. Here's picture this in your mind. God's going, okay. Jesus is resurrected. I want you two angels to go down there. I've got an important job, and they're like, "Yes, sir." What are we going to do? You're going to sit at the head, and you're going to sit at the feet, and you're going to announce that he's not there. And on the way down to earth, they're going, why do you get to sit at the head? I should get to sit. I've been created longer than you. And And they're fighting, right? And they're fighting all the way down because somebody wants to be seen. And we think that the foot position in the body of Christ is one that's not seen. And yet we can learn humility. You go, why? Because in serving the Lord, guys, in serving the Lord, when it comes to serving God, there is no position. There's no position. We do it as a labor of love. For those of you who came out last week and said, Pastor, I'm going to serve. And you were there early in the morning and you're getting chairs and you're doing, it's a labor of love. It wasn't about, Pastor, I, I know you're a good preacher and all, but uh, I think I should bring the message. I want people to see me. Oh, well, I think I should play worship. It's not anything like that. Why? Because guys, as Christians, we should walk in Humility. We should be honored to be able to sit at the feet wherever God tells us. Oh, Lord, You at the, how awesome is that? Sweetie, guess what? God called me to sit at the feet where Jesus used to lay. Awesome. Awesome. That's a good nugget, is not it not? We're supposed to walk. It's We don't want to be seen. We want him to be seen. That's the first nugget of truth. That's the first nugget. The second, notice, Jesus asks Mary two important questions. You go, what are they? He looks at Mary with all sincerity and he says, why are you weeping? And the second question is, whom are you seeking? And I think these are good questions for us to consider this morning. And you go, why? Because many people in this life, guys, they're weeping. They're weeping on the inside because... Well, they don't, have, they don't have the peace and the comfort that only God brings. Oh, sure, on the outside, they're rough and tumble, and they think that they, they look like they've all got it together, but inside they might just be weeping. They might just be breaking, and they go, man, I want what you have. I don't have that peace. I don't have that comfort. I struggle at night, and I toss and I turn, and why? And that's a good question to ask, Lord. Why, why am I weeping today? Why am I weeping? And the question that he would ask us is, well, who are you seeking? Are you seeking? You know, another scenario we saw last week is: remember um, the angels ask him, "Why are you seeking the living among the dead? Well, why are you looking for life all all in these dead places? Why are you looking for life in things that don't give you life?" And a lot of people are walking like that in this life, guys. They keep seeking the very thing that could bring you life, but they're seeking it in places that won't give you life. It's got to say, "Who am I seeking? And am I seeking truth? Am I seeking the Lord?" Am I really trying to follow him? And those are questions that we have to ask. Are we seeking Jesus, the one true God? Those are good nuggets to ponder as we move on. So we say Jesus is alive and everybody goes, amen. And so we say, now what? Now what? What what happens now? Well, let us consider guys what the resurrection means to each one of us, even a week later. Let me set the stage. At this point, Jesus has resurrected, right? We celebrated last week. And do you remember? Do you remember? You remember, right? When when people were coming forward, all of a sudden, the clouds were starting to break and the sun, it was just so glorious. It was almost like God was going, I'm with you. I'm with you. Well, Jesus has resurrected, guys. And now, um, basically, he's, he's appeared to men. He's appeared to his disciples and He appeared to Thomas. You guys remember Thomas, right? We know him as Doubting Thomas. Thank you. Yes. What a rap, right? You go through eternity. Hey, it's Doubting Thomas. He's like, I doubted once. I mean, it's not like we call Peter denying Peter. I mean, or, you know, I mean, we just, uh, yeah, but that's Doubting Thomas. Poor guy. Poor guy. And so we see that he's appeared to his disciples and to Thomas, but... Guys, let me, um, before we jump into John 21, I want to show you something that blew my mind. Okay? Over in Matthew 28, something just jumped out at me, and you probably may have read it, and you probably may have seen it, but let me just kind of, let me just kind of show you. Matthew 28, guys, verses 16 and 17. Notice what it says in verse 16. Then the 11 disciples went away into Galilee, to the mountain which Jesus had appointed for them. How many, how many, how many disciples went to Galilee? He said, eleven. Why was there not twelve? Oh yeah, Judas, huh? Do you do you guys realize when you think about Judas, Judas betrayed the Lord? But I bet you that, Ju- that Jesus would have just offered full-on forgiveness. It should have been the twelve. And instead of Judas running to Jesus with forgiveness and repentance and brokenness, he went out and he hung himself. And before we move on, guys, I think that's an important, that's an important topic to just kind of meditate on. Because so many people feel like that life is just, there's no hope. As hopeless, and so they run off, and they do they do desperate things, and and you and I who have the hope of Christ, we we know that there's always hope. And I would say this to to Judas: I would employ that I would say, Judas, listen: as long as you're breathing, there's hope. Please don't do this. Nonetheless, guys, eleven of them ended up on the way to Galilee and and to the mountain which Jesus appointed them. And notice verse seventeen: and when they saw Jesus. They worshiped. It said, but notice this part, but some doubted. You guys see that? That's what blew my mind. Because you gotta remember, as we follow Jesus when he was in the Garden of Gethsemane, being crushed for the weight of our sins upon a on you know, all the way up to the to, to the beating and the scourging to being hung and nailed on the cross. Then that final crushing. Before that, Jesus tells his disciples, hey guys, in three days, uh, I'm going to be alive again and meet me in Galilee and I think we'll have breakfast. It'll be so good. But I want you to notice what blew my mind. You go, what's that? Well, the first people came to him and they worshiped him. They saw, it's Jesus. I think it's it's Jesus. Is it Jesus? And and the Bible says that they worshiped him. They just worshiped him. Everything that he had said came back into their mind. He said, you know, he mentioned he was going to be alive in three days. That must be him. And so they... They just worshiped him. They worshiped him. If you're thinking, well, Jesus is alive, now what? May I implore you to worship him? He's alive and he deserves our worship. That's what they did. Jesus walks in Galilee and they're just like, worship, oh Lord. Lord, there's It's, you, it's worship. It's worship. Pastor Ben, how do we worship? Well, guys, there's a lot of ways we worship. I know a lot of us sing in our cars. We like to put the music on and we just sing. That's a great way to worship. Keep your eyes open, though, okay? Some of you are going like this. Bless the Lord, and you're driving. Don't do that. There's a lot of ways we can worship the Lord. We can worship the Lord through music. We can worship the Lord through prayer. There's, 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 we can worship the Lord as you, as you get together in fellowship. It's called koinonia, and you start talking about the Lord, and it's like, ah, and you worship the Lord. What do I do, pastor? Worship the Lord. Worship the Lord. But Ben, what about the other group? Well, some of them doubted, didn't they? A, a better rendering is if, if you look at translation, it's some had doubted, past tense, had doubted. And, and here's what I want you to see. This is an honest reaction this is an honest. Why? Because can, can we be honest in church? We've all had doubts at time. Think of th- think think of what we're asked to believe, right? Hey, guess what? Here's what we're asking to believe. There was a young girl named Mary, and she was a virgin, and she conceived by the Holy Spirit and gave birth to God in the flesh. Y'all with me? We're like, you want us? I mean, that's a lot to believe. Think oh, okay. Don't even think about that. Think about Genesis one one, where he says, "In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth." That's a lot to believe. Why? Well, who created God? I don't know. You serious? You just want me to believe? And so, in our lives, in our journeys, in our walks, guys, there are times that we doubt. Times we're like, "I just don't know if I get this." I, I, I sort of doubt. We're like Thomas. We're not labeled, but we're like Thomas. All right, and we're honest. We go. There are some things in my walk that I had trouble. I really doubt it at times. Can I say this to you? Sometimes the reason we doubt is not that we don't believe God can do something. We just don't think he would do it for us. You guys tracking with me? We we have no doubt that God can fix or change or heal anything in this world, the problem our doubts come from is what? Is that would he do it for us? Would he do it for me? Because if you if you look at my past, if you look at my record, if I show you my resume, I don't know if God would do it. And see, that's the whole point. You can take that resume and you can throw it away because God wipes that out. He loves you because of who he is. And some people doubt it, guys. And it's honest. We tend to judge people who are doubters. Well, how can you doubt? You just got to walk by faith, sister. Got to walk by faith, brother. Come on. We, we, sort of, we sort of judge that when more importantly, we go, that's an honest assessment. Praise the Lord, man. Last week, we talked about skeptics. There's a lot of skeptics. Well, I don't know. Tell me how, how this thing works. Here's what we're looking for, right? You want to diminish doubts and, and, and skeptics? Guys, live, like you, live what you believe. Just live. People will see. Wow, you really believe that, huh? Something's changed. I'm pretty sure every one of us in this room 10 years ago were completely different. 20 years. Whenever you gave your life to the Lord, we're completely different. How does that happen? Pastor, I changed my life. You didn't change your life. I've tried so hard all my life. I want to be a better person. I wanna... It wasn't until Jesus came in and began to change everything, and now I look back and, man, I'm not the same person. Why, guys? We all we've all had doubts, but it's an honest reaction. The disciples were doubting. It started with Thomas. You know, here's the thing about the word. It's Thomas is the only one that's recorded. But you know what it is when you get around 11 other guys, right? I'm with you, Thomas, but I ain't going to say anything. I don't want this recorded for eternity. You know, I'm just. Yeah, Thomas, it's Thomas. He was the one. It, right? We think a lot of stuff, but we don't say it. We're just real careful. It's like, oh, yeah. Here's my point after the resurrection, if you're here and you're a worshiper or you still have some doubts, maybe you're here and you're, 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 you're a weeper or, or you're still seeking. You know what I'll say to you? God loves worshipers and doubters and weepers and seekers. All you have to do is bring all that you have and all that you are to him. You see, guys, sometimes we get it backwards. Sometimes we feel like we have to stop weeping and we have to find what we're looking for or we have to stop doubting before God will do anything in our lives and it's backwards. We have to just come to him and he'll take care of it. If you just come honestly and and, and tell the Lord, how many, of, and you don't have to raise your hands, but how many of us tell the Lord when we're angry at him? Oh God, I would never tell you that but in our hearts we're angry at him sometimes. God, how could you do this? And he's he's okay, he's a big God. He can take it. He knows when we're angry at him. He made us emotional, but he wants you to be honest with him. God, I I have some I have some wounds that need to be healed. And I'm wondering why you haven't healed them. He's saying, "Well, come. Let's let's work on this. Let's take care of this." Let me say this to you guys, and this is a good quote if you want to jot this down. As your doubts begin to disappear, worship should fill its place. As your doubts begin to disappear, worship should fill its place. Now, back in our study, John chapter 21, picking it up in verse 1, it says, After these things... Jesus showed himself to the disciples at the Sea of Tiberias, which is the Sea of Galilee. And on his way, he showed himself to Simon Peter, Thomas called the twin, Nathanael, Cana of Galilee, the sons of Zebedee, and two others of his disciples were together. And Simon Peter said to them, I'm going fishing. Can you believe that? Can you believe Peter? Why? Peter was called to be a fisher of men, not a fisherman anymore. Hey, Peter, you used to do, that was your career, amen, you did a good job, but now you're going to go after men, now you're going to be my disciple. Meet me in the resurrection, it's going to be good, Peter. Peter's looking around and goes, okay, well, Jesus appeared to me, but listen, I guess I'm going to go back to what I know. I'm going to go back to, well, maybe I'm just going to go fishing. Peter, you're called to be a fisher of men, I'm going fishing, I'm going fishing. And apparently, Peter had some great influence, didn't he? Because it says, the rest of the guys are like, Oh, well, I guess we'll go with you. They're looking around going, I don't know what we're going to do, so I guess we'll go with you. Peter's like the leader. He's going fishing. And guess what? He went fishing. They went out and immediately got into the boat. And guess what they caught that night? Nada. Zero. Zip. Now, this just blows my mind. Why? Because Peter's a professional fisherman. So are James and John. They know, where the, they know where the fish are. They have the right lures. They didn't really have the lures, but you know what I'm talking about. They knew where the fish were. And it was, let's go fishing. And all night long, those little fishes just swam right by the net, saying, uh-uh, not today. So the morning comes. Jesus stood at the shore. The disciples did not know that it was Jesus. And then Jesus, right? He calls out to them. He says, children, have you any food? In our culture, guys, there are a lot of terms of endearment. You know what I'm talking about? In the Hispanic culture, we call people mija or mijo or hita. That's a term of endearment. In other cultures, it's like son. Son means like a term of endearment. There's just, that's what he's saying to them. He's like, hey, children, hey. He's not mad at them. May I remind you, the disciples scattered, just like he said, right? The soldiers came in the garden, they're like, Psh! right? It was Peter and John that were following. Peter was at a distance. He's like, yeah, I'm, I'm with that guy, but he's going to go ahead and he's going to buy the tickets first and I'll just catch up with him later. That's what he's doing. He's following at a distance. But now all of a sudden he's going, to, he's like children. And I love that. Why? Because I, that, that's me. That's me, and he, and he calls me and he says, Hey, do you have any food? Right? Children, I love that. And they answered, guess what they answered? And it's almost like that pouty, No. Do you have any food? No. And he said to them, Hey, cast your net on the right side of the boat and you will find some. Now, this is crazy. This is radical. Why? They're professional fishermen they know where the fish are. They know that when the sun comes up, that the fish go lower into the cool of the water. You know what I'm talking about? Jesus like, hey, you got any fish? No. Well, why don't you throw your net on the other side? And I'd be thinking, this guy doesn't know anything. (laughs) Throw the net on the other side. Oh, you know what that equivalent is too? You know what that is like? You know what it is? Think about this. Say you're a say you're an appliance salesman, okay? That's what you do. You sell appliances. You're going to sell a washer and dryer. You've got a beautiful washer and dryer for $699 combo set. Yours today, you go out there and you put a red tag on it and you say, red tag special, $699, come and get it. And you see people walking back and forth and they have no interest in your washer and dryer. All of a sudden... Sof comes in, Soph says, hey, I've got an idea. Change the red tag to a blue tag and you'll sell it. What are you thinking? <laughs> Seriously? You think the difference is between a red tag and a blue tag? And so you get a blue tag and you put $6.99 and immediately, hey, I want to buy that. I'm ready to buy it today. You're going, this is crazy. That's exactly what's happening here. Jesus is like, hey, by the way, I know you were fishing all night, <laughs> but throw some on the other side. And guess what they did? If you're a, if you're a Bible note taker, you know what you could write right here? Obedience. They did. They did. And sometimes God is going to ask you to do things that make no sense. He's going to ask you to take off the red tag and put a blue tag and you just need to go, yes, sir. Yes, sir. I'm just going to do it. Why? Because look what happens, right? Look at, look at this. Look at this. So they cast, and now they were not able to draw it in because of the multitude of fish. Oh, they got a catch now. And I'm sure they're astonished. Notice, this is amazing. Notice their reaction. Therefore, the disciple whom Jesus loved, we all know who that was, right? John, said to Peter, it's the Lord. And when Simon Peter heard that it was the Lord, he put on his outer garment, for he had removed it. He plunged into the sea. But the other disciples came in the little boat, for they were not far off, about a hundred cubits. You want to talk about radical living? Peter doesn't care about anything. He loves the Lord. The problem was, is that... I want you to think about this, guys. Think about this. John says, hey, it's Jesus. Peter's like, it's Jesus. He just jumps in. He's not thinking about his cell phone in his pocket, he's not thinking about what's going to happen. He's not thinking about the guys tweeting, Peter's crazy. I mean, are you serious about this? He's just in, right? That's radical living. The other guys are not, they're just, they're just as radical. They just decided to take the boat in, right? They're just like, yeah, we're not going to do what Peter did. That dude's nuts. Let's just row, row, row your boat back into the shore. And that's what they do. Here's the point. The point is, they're both radical. Why? Because it's the Lord. It's the Lord. And what are they doing? They're dragging in the net with fish. And as soon as they had come to the land, guess what they saw? They saw a fire of coals there and some fish and some bread. As soon as they came to the shore, what did they see? A fire of coals and some fish and some bread. And right here, I got to be honest with you. My heart goes out to Peter right here. My heart breaks for Peter. And you go, why? So, Peter... Peter says, it's the Lord. He jumps in there and he starts swimming, right? He's swimming, it's Jesus, it's Jesus. Now, what do you think is going through his mind the whole time? I've denied him, I've broken, oh my goodness. What's, what's, I've broken our friendship, I've denied him three times. The cockroach, he told me this was gonna happen. I told him that I would die for him and he's swimming all the whole time. He gets up, right? And he's looking, he's like, it's Jesus. And what's the first thing he sees? He sees a fire of coals. Now to you and I, we go, well, it's a fire of coals. Yeah, that's what you make fish and bread on. Ah, but not for Peter, why? Because remember John 18, 18? it says, Now the servants and the officers who had made a fire of coals stood there, for it was cold, and they warmed themselves. And Peter stood with them, and he warmed himself. Do you realize that that was a memory of his denial? You see, for Jesus, it was a place, and it was an, it was an instrument of restoration. For Peter, he's thinking, man, that's where I messed up. That's why." And everything's coming back in his mind, and he's thinking, Lord, I remember cursing. I remember when the, this little girl asked me, and I was like, was so much that I ran out and I wept, and I never want to see a fire of coals again. And then Jesus shows up at the shore, and what does he have? It's a fire of coals. Guys, think about your memories. You see, I think that's exactly what the enemy wants to do. There will be times in your life that he will bring a memory of an unrighteous time in your life or a time where you weren't seeking God or a time where you weren't following God. And it just reminds you of how you... Oh. Songs are real good at that, right? Sometimes you'll be driving, you'll be listening to a song. And you're just like, hey, I remember that. Oh, I remember that song. I remember why I was in that song. I don't remember why I was in that song. I just remember the song. And and the enemy wants to use that. But let me tell you this: God wants to take those those instruments, those memories, and he wants to use them for your restoration. You go, how so? Check it out. But God, right? And Jesus said to him, look at verse 10. Bring me some of the fish that you caught, guys. And Peter he went up and he dragged, notice, he dragged a large fish, 15three, and there were so many, and the net wasn't broken, and Jesus said, "Come and eat breakfast." And yet none of the disciples dared ask him, "Who are you, knowing that it was the Lord?" And Jesus came and took the bread and he gave it to them, and likewise the fish. Now this was the third time Jesus showed himself to his disciples that he was raised from the dead. Now, may I have your attention, please. Let me give you another scenario that, that's not biblical, okay? So Peter comes up, he's just swimming, he knows he's betrayed the Lord, right? We know that Jesus is in the the business of restoration, but Peter gets up there and he goes, he sees the fire of coals, right? And he says, hi, Jesus. And Jesus goes, Peter? Lord, I just want to say, don't say anything, Peter. You said enough last Friday. Whenever it was, three days, weeks, whatever it was. You you said enough that Friday night. Peter, I saw you. You denied me three times. And wasn't it you, Peter, that just, right? And Peter would just, he would just be crushed. Because that's what the world does. And, and Christians, listen, that's what we do sometimes. But God's not like that. When we mess up, when we deny him, when we betray him, when we come with honest doubts, to be honest with you, God's a God of restoration. He says, listen, I get that, but don't let this be a memory of, of when you betrayed me. Let this be a memory now of what? Of restoration. Why? Because now Peter can see a fire of coals the rest of his life and see, how, see it as a beautiful thing Not a disastrous thing. Are you guys with me? I mean that awesome. So God wants to take those memories that the enemy wanted to destroy you with, and he wants to make it a beautiful thing, a beautiful thing of restoration. How so? Well, Jesus is alive. Now what? Well, he's in the business of restorations. How so? Verse 15. And so when they had eaten breakfast, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, Son of Jonah, do you love me more than these? And most people think, most commentators say he's either pointing to the fish because Peter was a fisherman. Do you love me more than fishing? I think that hits home with us, church. Why? Because Jesus would ask us, do you love us more than your career? Do you love me more than your, do you love me more than what you want to do in life? Some others say he was pointing to his disciples. Do you love me more than these guys? Because you said you were. And he says, Peter, do you love me more than these? And Peter said to him, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. And Jesus said to him, feed my lambs. But here's what's interesting. Jesus employs the Greek word love, but he employs the Greek word agape. Do you agape me? Do you love me unconditionally? Are you willing to die for me, Peter? Well, Peter doesn't return the same word. His word is actually Phileo. He comes, Lord, you know that I Phileo you, which is an affectionate love. So Jesus goes, Peter, yes, Lord, do you agape me? And Peter's like, I phileo you, Lord. Why? Ch- Church, we are we're not capable of agape love without the power of the Holy Spirit. In and of ourselves, we're not capable, but we are capable of affection in G and He loves, He's He wants to love Jesus, man. Jesus had breakfast, and you guys got to understand, in the Hebrew culture, breaking bread was intimacy. So right off the bat, when he says, come and have breakfast, he's telling Peter, Peter, I love you, I forgive you, don't worry about that. We're going to break bread, we're going to have fellowship. He says, Peter, do you love me? Yes, he says, he says, I phileo you, Lord. And he says, feed my lambs. You know what he means by that? He says, give them care afforded by furnishing nourishment. He says, feed them the word of God. Make sure they're growing. Teach them the word of God. That's our philosophy here, guys, is is giving you a solid foundation to learn and to grow. Because that's what Jesus had commanded Peter. Peter, I'm going to put you back in the ministry. The first thing, first order of business, feed my sheep. So it goes on. It goes on right in verse 16. He says, and he said to him a second time, Simon, son of Jonah, do you love me? And he said to him, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. And and Jesus looks and he says, he says, tend my sheep, tend my sheep, same words, Peter, do you agape me? (laughs) Lord, you know, I phileo you, you know, I have this immediate, wonderful affection for you, Lord. Jesus says, okay, well then tend my sheep. And that means offer guidance and protection. Guidance and protection, that's what we're called to do. I'm called to feed you guys, and I'm called to offer guidance and protection. Now make sure that there are no wolves coming to want to devour you. Verse 17, and he said to him a third time, how many times? How many times did Peter deny him? Wow. Wow. You know what I like? You know what I like about this passage, guys, real quick? There were 153 fish. And that's how I feel at times, that God restores me 153 times. I just you know it's not the three times that peter denied him but there are times in my life and and listen guys we don't we don't we don't deny him openly we don't go out there and go i'm denying jesus I, but there are times in our lives when he completely guides us to a specific place or a specific area and we're so busy and we've got something to do that we we simply just go lord i don't have time today i just i know you wanted me to talk to that person but i've just i've got to go i've got this to do and this to do and this to do and the lord goes okay and then we walk away feeling like, man, I've I've betrayed or I've denied the Lord or I can't believe I I did that. Some of us, if we're being honest, some of us we've we've denied the Lord in our marriage vows. We stood before the Lord and we and we we said that we were gonna honor and and, and love and cherish and nurture our wives and And the Lord's like, I took that seriously. And some of us feel like, man, I I need to do that. I've denied the Lord in those areas and I need to step back and do this. 153 times, you know, I feel like God, he's gonna come back and restore. Peter's three, Peter's three. For the sake of time, I don't have to get into that, but let's go back to verse 17. And he said to him a third time, Simon, son of Jonah, do you love me? Peter was grieved because he said to him a third time, I think Peter should have been happy, don't you? Peter's like, oh, many times? I'd have been like, keep coming, Lord. Keep coming. And he said to him, Lord, you know all things. You know that I love you. And Jesus said to him, feed my sheep. You know the word that God uses here? You know the word that Jesus uses here is not agape. It's phileo. The last restoration, he looks at Peter and he says, Peter, do you phileo me? I know you're not capable yet, but you will be. You will be. You know what happened? Peter did fulfill that agape when he was crucified upside down. He says, I'm not even worthy to be crucified like Jesus. Crucify me upside down. But right here, he goes, I got enough in me to... to to phileo you. I, I phileo you. And Jesus smiles and he looks at him and he says, okay then, feed my sheep, which means to shepherd and help them grow. To shepherd and help them grow. Peter, you're being restored into the ministry. Peter, don't worry about this. Don't worry about this. Mankind, we're sinners. We're going to blow it. We're going to make mistakes. We're gonna, We're going to just, oh, how many times in my life some of you go, man, it's 153. Some of us, it's 153 times a day, and we need God's forgiveness. But here's the point. Here's the point. You ready? That's what God's into. He's into restoring us back to where we were. And some of us take a little journey off the path, and you can hear the Spirit saying, come on back. Come on back. It's okay. Come on back. Come on back. You see, the resurrection to us means this, guys, really simple. It means that God wants to restore you, wants to keep you. Okay, let's close with this. Miranda and Ellen are going to come back up, but let's close with this. Maybe today, maybe today in the quietness of your heart, you're weeping. Life hasn't turned out the way you thought it should. There's been a couple of bumps, a couple of detours, a couple of roadblocks. And in your heart, you're weeping. And you've come to church this morning and you go, man, I, I know exactly what, what he's talking about, man. Things aren't good. Things aren't good on the inside. And, and uh, I'm, just, I'm just weeping. See, maybe you're here today and you're, uh, you're still seeking. And you're seeking God and you're wondering what this is all about and, and you keep seeking and you keep wanting to grow closer to him and, and you know there's more, that God has more for your life than what you are right now and you just know it, you just know it, you just know it and you're still seeking. Maybe you're here this morning and you're honest and you go, I, Pastor, I have doubts sometimes. I stand outside, I look up at the sky and I go, I know there's a God, I just, I just doubt and sometimes I don't feel him. Sometimes I don't hear him, and I just struggle with doubts. It'd be so much easier if I could just put my finger through the hands, through the scars like Thomas, right? It'd be so much easier if I could just see him, if I could just look at where he got pierced. Or maybe you're just here this morning, church, after a long week, And you know you gave your life to Jesus, but there are times that you've blown it, and I'm here to tell you that you can be restored, and God's not mad at you. You know what? God's madly in love with you, and when he looks at you, he's well-pleased. He's pleased with you. Pastor, how can he be pleased with me? I feel like Peter. He's pleased with you because of Jesus. He's pleased with you because of who his son is. All you have to do is come back. You know, Pastor, that's awesome. Great application. Uh, I'm not doubting today and I'm not seeking. I know who he is and... And I'm a worshiper and uh, things are good, pastor. Things are good. So what is the hope? What is the hope of the resurrection? Well, do you realize that a few days later, Jesus is going to stand and he's going to be ascended into heaven. And the guys are going to be looking here, like looking up in the sky, like, how did that happen? And the angels are going to tell him what? Why are you guys standing up looking? The same Jesus that went up is going to come back. And he's going, to, he's going to have a place for you. And that's what salvation is all about. And that's what the resurrection is all about. It's the hope of knowing, guys, that one day, one day, and I hope real soon we're going to hear this trumpet go and and we're just we're just going to be with him and we're just this is going to be incredible but if that doesn't happen soon then some of us some of us are going to take our final breath here on earth it's called death but see death to the believer is not the end it's just the beginning and that's the hope we have in the resurrection Paul says if Jesus didn't resurrect, we're all a bunch of fools and we should be out playing golf and enjoying this beautiful Sunday. But Jesus did resurrect and that's why we're here and we're worshiping him. So if you're here today, let this next song that they sing minister to you. Listen to the words and make it personal. Amen. Father, we thank you for your word today and the truth in your word. We thank you for this amazing series, Lord. And we look forward, God, to what you have for every single one of us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.